Hey there, welcome back to Joko Yo. So, do you remember just how big a thing Greek mythology was in school? I mean, for as long as I can remember, I was learning about the Greek gods and goddesses. It seems like my knowledge of basic addition was gained at the same time as my knowledge of Zeus, Poseidon, and those guys. I've certainly used basic edition and drawn on its principles far more often in my adult life than the story of the weird romance of Hephaestus, Aphrodite, you know, kind of like a Beauty and the Beast situation, sort of. But I'm not that guy that thinks that the knowledge of the Greek mythology was a waste. Trust me, after having been a high school teacher for over 20 years and in an area not exactly famous for its appreciation for the liberal arts, I've heard, when am I ever going to use this stuff in my real life? More times than I can count. I, I actually hear it's more definitive, cousin. I'm never going to use this stuff more often. And, and one time that statement was accompanied and following, followed by the throwing of a chair across the room. And so talk about not appreciating a liberal arts education. Now, I've definitely valued, or I've definitely found value for that old stuff from Greece. I mean, you could say, if, of, of course you do, that, hey, you're a history teacher, to which I would say, well, yeah, of course, that's true. But, but I see other value, too, maybe not in all of them, but a lot of them, not because of knowledge, per se, but because of the wisdom in them. You know, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Like, even the stories of when Zeus turned himself into various creatures to seduce various women, I mean, <laughs> through the stories of when he turned into a swan or a bull or an eagle or an ant or a bear, a goose, a snake, or even a vulture, we learned that our successes and our downfalls can come in any form and at any time. You know, there's that. They also teach us to get out of the way of, of amorous bears and randy swans. The story of Hephaestus and Aphrodite shows us that love can be completely illogical. The story of the Trojan War is loaded with lessons, not least of which is when three women get in your face and demand that you tell them together, standing side by side, which of them is the prettiest. Yeah, that's a good time to begin walking in the other direction quickly. That same story shows us just how far pride can make you fall, just how destructive vanity can be, and, and how jealousy can ruin entire civilizations. How far people will go to protect their children, and how sometimes it's a better idea to just let them make their mistakes. When you consider the art, music, literary... Um, scientific and mathematical contributions of the Greeks, the conclusions are pretty clear. They were some pretty smart people. I mean, especially for people that didn't bathe or wear underwear. And the answer to when am I going to use this stuff becomes obvious. I mean, if you're smart, you'll try to use it every chance you get. But on a more concrete level, it was the Greeks that gave us the core of our language and so many of our sports teams' mascots. You know, Titans, Giants, Trojans, Spartans, and those last two were even made mascots of two of our high school teams in Johnston. Sadly, it seems that we're pushing wisdom like that to the side these days as it's hard to put that wisdom on a standardized test. 
No matter how important the gaining of wisdom is to keeping a democracy alive, there's no money in it for testing companies, so out it goes. As the group Smash Mouth once prophesied, your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. I mean, Smash Mouth not exactly known for its prophetic wisdom, but there you go. One of those stories that has been nearly forgotten by most Americans, and one of those that, that few children has ever heard, I mean, there's no room for it, room for stories when you have to spend most of your time teaching, test-taking skills, but one of those stories that people used to learn from, from the old Greeks that we don't hear anymore is the story of Damon and Pythias. Now, according to this 2,000-year-old story, Damon and Pythias were followers of the teacher-slash-philosopher Pythagoras. You may have heard that guy, speaking of things that you don't think you're going to use again, who emphasized moral strength and the superiority of truth above all else, even, even mortal human lives. Truth lasts forever. Life is temporary. You know, also, honor integrity, and service, too. All those things were, were like at the core of Pythagoras' teaching. Now, the ruler of the city of Syracuse in our story was a very harsh tyrant named Dionysius. The story is quite old, and different versions tell which one did it, but, but one of these young philosophers and lovers of truth, dignity, and honor Either Damon or Pythias became well-known in Syracuse for speaking out against Dionysius. It, it seems that Dionysius became king through a fraudulent means and fraud committed against unknowing people for your own benefit was dishonest, dishonorable, unreliable, treacherous, and immoral, and the people of Syracuse were going to know about it. They made sure of it. The truth is more important than life after all. Of course, Dionysius doesn't much care for the rebellious philosopher and sentenced him to death, but before he died, he asked for a leave for a few days to put his affairs in order and to say goodbye to his wife and family. Dionysius said, absolutely not. We're not letting you leave. You've broken the law. That's when the other philosopher, I'll say it was, I'll say it was uh, Damon, told the tyrant, look, I know you want me dead too, but as, as, as of now, you have nothing on me. So if you let him go, he's going to come back. He's a man of honor. But if he does it, I'll tell you what we'll do. You can execute me instead. Dionysius thought about it and agreed to the deal and Pythias left. When the day came and went and and, and Pythias had not returned, Dionysius called for Damon's execution, and Damon accepted his fate. Just as the executioner was about to kill Damon, Pythias showed up. He was, apparently he had been delayed, and he apologized for being delayed by pirates. He apologized for his boat sinking, and, and he apologized that he had to swim for miles to get to shore. But here he was, and he was ready to die. Now, astonished by the acts of both men, one of sacrifice and the other of honor, the story says that Dionysius was humbled and pardoned them both and asked them both to help him understand and to be a better person. He even asked, apparently, to, to join them and be one of, one of the three brothers instead of one of the two brothers, and they said, no, nah, I'm good. 
See, this is a story of devotion, dignity, honor, and caring for your fellow man more than yourself, and it was known to generations of American schoolchildren. Bitch hadn't heard it, though. The American children in both northern and southern schools were probably much more familiar with the stories before the American Civil War, and when they were adults, they both drew upon it for instruction during America's darkest times. But they seemed to have interpreted this story different ways, even if they kept the Greekness of the story. You see, some read this same story of Dionysius and and Damon and and, and Pythias. Some read that story in the South pre-Civil War and saw honor and brotherhood and resistance to the government and their definition anyway what honor was and and went on to form a brotherhood or to use the latin word of fraternity they even used the the greek word for circle kuklos to indicate their group just after the civil war their brotherhood so to speak and kuklos well it's going to be simplified to ku klux and create the clan out of it. Now, since its inception, nearly, it maintained an active presence in Johnston County's history. From the, yeah. Now, some others loyal to the United States saw service to their fellow man in the same story and formed an organization based on putting others above themselves before their southern counterparts formed this group called the Klan. In fact, it was this organization or fraternity that was chartered by an act of Congress. It was the very first of these organizations chartered by an act of Congress, and it was praised by Abraham Lincoln in the 1860s. And this organization, coming from the very same story, was called the Knights of Pythias. The organization had pretty illustrious members, William McKinley, President William McKinley, was a member of the Knights of Pythias, as was Warren G. Harding. Well, you know, okay. But Franklin Roosevelt was a member of the Knights of Pythias. Two vice presidents, Nelson Rockefeller and Hubert Humphrey, both those are Knights of Pythias. Numerous Supreme Court judges, congressmen, state representatives, governors, all members. And jazz trumpeter Louis Armstrong was a member. And the Knights of Pythias had nearly a million numbers by the early 1920s, and their lodges were called castles, and some of that by good reason, because many of their buildings were architectural gems. I mean, like, one in California was an actual, like, castle. They built an actual castle. We had a Pythian building in Johnston County, too, in 1903. And like many of them, the design of this Clayton building was, well, I mean, for Johnson County versions, it was pretty majestic. It was, it was built in 1910. The actual building was built in 1910, and it employed nearly all, and I'm not kidding, I looked up these guys, of North Carolina's best architects at the time to design and build it. And it had an all-star team. C.V. York, you may have seen York Properties, that that the sign's still up now. Harry Barton, the architect of the Joko Courthouse. Uh, Charles Wilson, architect of the Farmers Commercial Bank in Benson, which is now the library. George Barber was architect of the Ashley Horn House in Clayton. All these guys worked on it. It was like an again an all-star team at the time. This building was the Pythian Orphanage, and it accepted children from 1910 to 1972 when it closed.
Interesting. This same story, Pythias and Damon, was interpreted two different ways. I mean, opposing ways, even. This same story can be used to build up or to tear down. Build an orphanage for displaced children or burn crosses. Spread hope or fear. It's icky. But you know what? You know what? The story of Pythias and Damon, it's still worth learning. And the lesson, how you can interpret the same story two completely different ways, is also worth learning right alongside of it. Or, you know, you can just take the easy way out and pretend that the story never existed. That's what we do now. And act like math is more important than democracy, honor, dignity, devotion. I mean, to me, not discounting math and science, but I kind of... I kind of would rather have the lesson. And there's that. Y'all, have fun with it. Another one coming soon. You guys be good.